The didgeridoo means it's time for the Australian News Desk. Here's two of the craziest guys we could find south of the equator. It's Steve Vischer and Grant McHaren from the Plain Crazy Down Under podcast. Dateline, September 8th, 2012. Well, g'day folks and welcome back to the Australia Desk for episode 214. Well, Grant, uh, was this the world's worst kept secret? Qantas and Emirates uh, climbing into bed together. Hang on a minute, I thought uh, Qantas said they'd never do that. Oh, mate, it was only a few years ago that uh, Alan Joyce was saying how bad Emirates were and uh, how much of an advantage they've got because uh, they don't pay taxes apparently and they were dredging out all the arguments of why Emirates has unfair advantages, how they'd never do an uh, an alignment with Etihad, even though they did actually have a bit of a partnership, and that uh, sticking with Air France and British Airways was the way to go. Even just as long ago as six months, they were uh, busy saying the same kind of things. And just recently in Parliament, they were saying how bad it was that Etihad and uh, Virgin Australia were getting close together. And now they turn around and they do something very similar with Emirates. Admittedly, no money is changing hands, but they're doing a whole alignment and code sharing agreement. In a move that I actually regard as pragmatic given the circumstances, I mean, we've done a lot of uh, commentary over the years about the path that Qantas has taken to get to this point, but I actually am a little bit split on it, but I do regard it as pragmatic. At the moment, what happens if you want to fly with Qantas to Europe, you basically go through Singapore, Hong Kong or Bangkok. Now, uh, what's going to happen now is that Qantas will still operate services to those hubs, although the scheduling will change uh, to make it uh, a bit more convenient for passengers going that way. But uh, those flights will terminate there. Uh, now, if you want to go to Europe now, you'll instead be going via Dubai. Now, there will be some Redtail flights, as they're called, going up that way. But uh, by and large, you'll be flying on what Alan Joyce described this week as Qantas codes. In other words, you'll be flying on Emirates aircraft. And uh, look, I agree with you. It's a pragmatic decision. I think it's the only thing Alan Joyce could do. This is all he had left to uh, save the company and especially on the international side of things and to save his job. He had to have something big and this was it. Uh, They'll keep flying A380s out of Melbourne and Sydney But instead of going to Singapore, they will be going up to Dubai and then on to London. And if you're flying out of Melbourne and Sydney, you can be on a Qantas red-tailed aircraft, go to Dubai and then change to an Emirates aircraft, but still keep your Qantas uh, code number and still keep your Qantas uh, frequent flyer points earning and go direct to somewhere in Europe. So effectively, Qantas is saying, aside from London, they're pulling out of Europe. They're no longer going to fly their own red-tailed aircraft to Frankfurt. They're going to rely on uh, Emirates, which is going to be good for Emirates in addition to getting more people in. Qantas has some good rights to and landing slots in various uh, airports in parts of Europe that they're not exercising at the moment. But now a Qantas code could come in in an Emirates aircraft and help give Emirates more access into Europe, uh, which they're always after. This is going to let Qantas focus primarily on Asia. They'll still have their aircraft going over to Santiago for now and over to Johannesburg and up to Los Angeles. We're not sure how long that's going to continue on for. Who knows? It could be another alignment coming up in the future as uh, Alan Joyce follows on Borghetti's pathway of alignments and deals rather than creating more aircraft and routes yourself. Yeah, there's a lot of other interesting uh, perks that go with this, including uh, sharing, licking up of their frequent flyer scheme. So you'll be able to uh, catch an Emirates flight on a Qantas code and claim all your frequent flyer points for that. And we know that uh, frequent flyer is actually one of the most profitable parts of the uh, Qantas business at the moment. Another interesting perk here, Grant, is that uh, if you're flying uh, first class, they're going to offer you a chauffeur service to the airport. That's the one, mate. Uh, Business and first, get that chauffeur pickup if you're flying for more than 12 hours. So a nice little thing to have because what they're doing is bringing both airlines up to the same level. Rather than coming down to the lowest level, they're bringing up the services at each airline to match the level of the other. So uh, it's also good for people in Brisbane, Adelaide and Perth who uh, Qantas haven't really been doing a lot of great uh, one-stop shops to uh, Singapore or into Europe or places like that. 
a lot of the folks in those in those cities had to come to Sydney or Melbourne and then go on to Asia or Europe. Uh, now they'll be able to jump on an Emirates aircraft, go to Dubai and go out to wherever else they're going and uh, still earn their Qantas frequent flyer points. So there's some good sides to this. Uh, it also means that now Qantas don't have to invest in their international arm quite as much. Uh, there is the rumor going around that this means they may not put 787s into international at all. They may just wind up flying only A380s on the big long routes and just leave everything else to Emirates. I really don't know where it's going to go. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot more Jetstar, of course, because if it's new, it's JQ. Uh, we'll see those 787s and Jetstar definitely. Uh, those A330s will come back into domestic to do the transcontinental domestic routes and uh, also on the busy Golden Triangle of uh, Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne. Where else it goes from there? Not really sure at this stage, but I think... Uh, Definitely Alan Joyce has followed John Borghetti on this one and is getting access to the whole world without having to create his own structures, routes, aircraft, pilots, all that kind of stuff. I think that's the thing that's most striking about this deal, Grant. If you look at their competitor in Virgin Australia, Qantas is really, as you say, they're adopting a similar strategy to the alliance that uh, they've they've knocked up over there with uh, Etihad. And despite their uh, cries to the government regulators that this is unfair, uh, as the article here says in Australian Aviation this week, if you can't beat them, join them. And Grant, I'd post... <laughs> I'd post this question to you, given that I regard this as a rather pragmatic move. Let's step into a parallel universe for a minute. Let's imagine that uh, times were different and uh, John Borghetti is still at Qantas, but now he's got the top job. Do we think things would have been any different? Do we think this is the way Qantas would have gone anyway? Oh, I think uh, John Borghetti would have taken them straight away into a similar kind of deal with Eddie had. No questions. He and Hogan get on pretty well. It's what he wanted to do. It's the path he was going down and Qantas already were in bed with Eddie had. Uh, they already had an agreement, if you recall, a few years back when uh, Borghetti came on at Virgin Australia. Uh, one of the first things he did was break up with uh, Emirates and go across to Etihad. And I think this would have happened a lot earlier. We wouldn't have had all that faffing around with Red Q and premium airlines and agreements with Malaysia and all that kind of stuff that has been very badly handled by Alan Joyce's team. I think uh, it would have just been straight cut to the chase and get on with it. Now, we did say in our last report that, uh, gee, we'd like to have some good news about Qantas. And uh, I'm, I'm wondering, you know what? I'm hoping that this might just be a, a bit of a run of good news that we've been looking to see from Qantas for a while. Time will tell at that, Grant. But uh, let's move on now. And uh, just briefly, uh, looking at things that are also improving, the uh, Adelaide route from Melbourne looks good. Tiger Airways is returning. Well, you know, that's good for competition. But, gee, Tiger Airways, really? <laughs> well, you know, it's good for those who want to get uh, from capital city to capital city for 10 20 maybe $40 and don't mind having their knees around their earlobes and being charged for everything, including breathing. But uh, look, it's good to see Tiger expanding. Uh, we need that airline down the bottom end. Uh, they're giving Jetstar a run for their money. Uh, meanwhile, Virgin and Qantas duke it out up at the uh, middle end and top. So uh, good to see them going back. And I'm sure there's some uh, folks in Adelaide who are very happy to see them back and paying money into Adelaide after they uh, up and left Adelaide in the Absolutely. I wonder if they'll sort that spat out that they've been having with uh, Adelaide Airport, but uh, we might have to uh, keep an eye on that one, Grant. And uh, it says here in this article in australianaviation.com.au that uh, this service from Melbourne to Adelaide will be resuming uh, in November and uh, starting fares, as you mentioned there, Grant, at $19.95. But of course, by the time you put, you know, 35 of their fees on, that's probably going to be about 100 bucks. Uh, the Very interesting likely. thing I found is, Grant, that I actually flew to Adelaide for our podcast uh, earlier this year. And i tell you what, competition, it was very obvious there because uh, you can't get really good fares right now on the Melbourne Adelaide route. I, I'm pretty sure that once Tiger re-enters the fray there that those uh, fees will drop markedly. 
You need competition to help uh, stimulate the environment. Too much of anything is bad, but uh, a monopoly situation can be equally as bad because then there's no one to uh, force the others to lower their prices to improve their game. And uh, they can charge anything they want, can't they, mate? Yes, that's very true, Grant. And I'll tell you what, uh, just on that subject of charging whatever you like, let's have a talk about the New Zealand uh, Civil Aviation Authority. Boy, uh, user fees rising over there. Now, I want our American listeners to listen to this. If you're a pilot, if you're in GA and you think, yeah, user fees, they'll never happen here. User fees in this part of the world are staggeringly high and uh, they're actually even worse in New Zealand and they're about to get worse. Some fees rising by up to 300% over the next three years. Oh, mate, even worse. Medical application fees, almost nothing. Now $300 to get your pilot's medical, which once you're over 40 has to happen more often, over $300 New Zealand to get it happening. The hourly rate is going up. It's going to be $135.70, then $208 in 2012-13, then $244 in 2013-2014 area. And by the end of the predicted looking to the future where things are just going out of control, $284 an hour to get the CAA to do things. Unbelievable. This has got me just ready to go and smack some heads in Parliament, I tell you. Now, interestingly, Grant, in an article in the Otago Daily Times here, it's saying that uh, the new user fees were expected to deliver only $14.1 million New Zealand dollars in the next three years. Okay, they've got a much smaller economy than ours, but gee, that's still not much. And uh, But in the meantime, it's going to cause a lot of pain to an already struggling general aviation industry over there in New Zealand. And uh, some of uh, our Kiwi friends that we've been talking to this week just throwing their hands in the air and saying this is is going to kill the industry. Yeah, I mean, it's going to deliver 14.1 million so long as everyone keeps doing what they're doing now, which they won't. Everyone's going to go, stuff this, and they're going to leave. Why are you going to bother paying out all this money to do something unless you're earning an absolute boatload? Well, guess what? The pilot's going to have to start charging that money and earning more. Oh, yes, the follow-on, the knock-on effects. No one ever really goes through and follows them all the way to the end, do they? And don't forget over there in the shaky aisles, like it does here, it costs you money to submit a flight plan, but it even costs you money to get a weather briefing if you're a GA pilot and you're still paying massive taxes on your fuel and i uh, tell you what the cost of fuel over there in New Zealand is astronomical it's even worse than here I didn't think that was possible I, I'm really feeling sorry for our mates over there in New Zealand and if you're in a country that doesn't have user fees fight make the effort tell your congress critters or your elected officials no user fees and that you're going to vote them out if they even mention it. Once you're in, it's all over, mate, because they start small, they get increased to other areas, and next thing you know, you're paying a freaking fortune. Yeah, a bit like our user fees here, which were supposedly intended to go into aviation safety. uh, But, uh, you know, funny enough, the majority of that money goes into consolidated revenue for the government. Well, that's everything we have for you on this week's Australia Desk. Boy, Grant, I hope we uh, finish on a brighter note next week. Oh, mate, we started off pretty good. Some good news for Qantas for once, but, yeah, unfortunately downhill from there. So uh, we'll, we'll try and turn the corner next week. So until then, I'm Steve Fisher. And I'm still Grant McCarran. Cheers, folks. Southern Skies. Online Media.